and welcome to the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Alexi Boyd. Thank you so much for joining me today here on Small Biz Matters. And we are, of course, across the community radio network also. I'm very excited to be welcoming a very uh, illustrious uh I guess, an independent consultant, uh, someone who's very um, knowledgeable on the practice of technology and about human en- enablement. Now, when we talk about technology, it's quite often that I guess us who aren't particularly in that world might think of AI and might think of artificial intelligence and be a bit fearful and, and watching jobs go and watching, I guess, uh, less and less people being used for the everyday tasks and more and more robots being used. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're actually going to be talking about the way technology enables people. Um, I guess the way it means that we can move on to bigger and, and better tasks rather than being stuck in the everyday mundane stuff that pretty much a computer can do on our behalf. And it's about growing the workforce. It's not about shrinking it. Today's uh, a guest is Jeremy Biggs. He's an expert in intelligent process automation and customer relationship management, which is CRM. And we're going to learn from him how to make uh, AI and tech and uh, those things our friend to enable to empower us as humans and not take over. Uh, welcome to the program, Jeremy. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's good to have you on the show, actually, because you're a local, aren't you? You're, you're fairly local to the area. Yeah. I just live down the road, probably about uh, 10 kilometres away from the studio, actually. So uh, nice and easy to get here this morning. Nice and easy, exactly. Um, look, it's great to have you live in the studio. And I'm very fascinated by this topic because I guess it's um, it's kind of been wrapped up in a bit of fear up until this point. People have been nervous about taking it on and bringing it into their businesses. Would you agree that that's been kind of the, the way of things in the past and there's maybe a, we're turning a corner in, in terms of the business community? Look, absolutely. There's always this um, um, uh, overarching uh, perspective that uh, technology is a really bad thing and it takes jobs away. And um, obviously, we've seen that happen in certain sectors when it comes to uh, machinery automation um, as that innovation is driven forward. But I think there's an immense potential for people to adopt technology in a new way uh, that really enables um, the human side of things uh, and enables us to be a lot better in what we do day to day. If we think about, you know, the movies we've seen in the past, let's not talk about Terminator. We won't <laughs> talk about Terminator. But let's talk about other movies where, you know, they've talked about um, literally the the taking over of, 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 I guess, you know, even things like looking after children and the really human element. I here we are in 2020 and I it's not even going to happen I mean we're not we're not anywhere near that and I think the fear of that human element being removed um, is that now negated are we are we all a bit more comfortable with the idea now I think that um, as we as we evolve um, more and more technology becomes available to us and I think we'll find opportunities to enhance what we do and how we do it um, robotics is a massive field um, uh, around that specific area that I think we'll, we'll see come through but I think you're right we're probably a fair way off. Uh, before we see that sort of level um, hit, hit, you know, hit the shelves and hit the markets. It's not yeah. moving as fast as we'd feared. I, look, I, it's moving really quickly, but I don't think it's going that fast. And, and to be fair, we're still, a, a, you know, we're six billion people on the planet, and um, you know, there's a lot of us to service. <laughs> exactly. It'd be hard to make that many robots for each person. Uh, although we do have a robot in our phones, of course. That that, yes. ha- that happened pretty quickly. Let's talk about where technology does work um, pretty effectively in, in improving the efficiencies of a particular sector. Now, one that springs to mind, obviously, is health, because uh, that is an element where, um, you know, elements like robotics and like AI with um, recognising uh, particular anomalies in in scans, for instance, that's that's happening today, and has certainly, I guess, improved the lives of both patient, patients and clinicians. How how have you seen that evolve in the last few years? 
Well, I think it's a great a great example to go to to start point as a starting point because you know if you think about um, people that are suspect of technology, and then you look at the the flip side of that coin that says, well, you know, we have today access to technology that is very advanced that allows us to understand our bodies a lot better at the individual level um, uh, you look at something simple like a Fitbit uh, solution where you've got all these sensors you've got heartbeat heart rate it's looking at your stress patterns it can tell you um, what to do when to take a break when to breathe when to meditate all this exists already in the world it's everywhere around us you know and I, I don't see why we can't adopt the same sort of uh, mindset uh, and benefit when it comes to to business as well. Um, I think the future of that looks um, quite quite bright as well. As that technology evolves, I think we'll end up in a position where we have sensors in our bodies that not only give us that sort of basic measurement, but also some very detailed measurement. Um, uh, diabetics getting uh, your your glucose levels. Uh, uh, if you want to understand your body's composition and how you uh, are performing in terms of fat loss, you can look at you know uh, what sort of ketogenic state you're in. Um, all the all these technologies are up and coming, um, and that's very exciting to me because that demonstrates our ability to adopt the technology and use it for the right way. And it's a really good example because it's way that we can, um, I guess, have the accessibility of technology into our everyday life that improves our health. It's not just about the clinicians having access to, you know, huge levels of AI or data management or data extraction. It's actually there on right, right with us all the time and we can be really using it to improve our health. It's a great enabler. Oh, absolutely. And, and cutting into the business side of things, if you think about um, how technology uh, evolves health and what we do day to day, you know, we're talking about, you know, smart fridges, for example. And we're not too far away from seeing this come to light as well, where your fridge is connected to a Google or an Alexa uh, and you're talking to your fridge around products you want to order, which is directly linked to your nutrition requirements. You know, imagine talking to your fridge and going, well, I want to borrow chocolate. And it goes, well, I don't think you've had enough. I, mean, I think you've probably had too much chocolate, <laughs> should I say. This week, uh, you, you, you can't have it. But No, that- Hal, I'm not ordering any more chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> And the autonomy around that is, is simply that, you know, you no longer have to do manual shopping lists. Everything is digitized today and connected to um, the, the supermarket of choice. And, um, you know, we're going to see that evolve quite dramatically. Well, let's not just talk about like the supermarkets, of course. This has great implications for the small business owners out there. Because if you are already thinking about the way technology is being used by your end user. So let's take a nutritionist, for example. So you're already uh, looking at what your, 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 your client is eating and consuming. And this is a great way that you can keep track of what they're doing um, in real time. And then you can help them adjust their diet for what's required. Say, for example, if they're diabetic or they're trying to um, reduce their weight. Um, it's a great way of controlling and, and knowing in real time what they're doing instead of waiting for that appointment that happens every six weeks and they talk about how they feel. So there are definitely ways that small business can take tap into this and just be ready, be ready for when this sort of technology evolves. Is that um, one way that, that I guess small business needs to keep a finger on the pulse of technology and what's happening for their end user? Look, absolutely. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's an enabler, you know, and when you think about technology and how we use it today, um, personally, um, the principles in business are very simple. Um, from my perspective, you need to be able to leverage that data uh, in your company and in your environment with your clients and your markets and your communities uh, to, be, to be on top of what's going on. Uh, if, you, if you don't have that central repository of information, which we'll talk about a bit later in a bit more detail, you, you really are not enabling your business to scale, to build enduring value, to innovate uh, and actually access uh, information um, that is necessary for your success.
So two things, if you're a small business owner today, have a think about what does your client use currently um, for technology in their everyday lives and how can you leverage off that? But importantly, how can you access that data? Have you got the software in place to be able to connect with that? Um, What are you doing to, I guess, aggregate your own data that you're collecting from your clients? And how can you make a connection between the two? Because we do have to think of those things in five, 10 years time, irrespective of the industry we're in. Let's look at like, you know, a, a plumber, for example. Are you on top of the latest technology with what's going on? Are you aware that, you know, your competitors are using a particular type of technology to unblock a drain, for example? Um, What are your uh, end users, your clients reading about where they might go, oh, hang on, I need to ask if my plumber uses this fan-dangled thing to, to you know, get my systems working properly. What, what is it people that want to know about? What are they researching? And how do you get access to that data? Yeah, really interesting question. Um, and I love the example, by the way. I always look to, um, you know, the lowest common denominator in an organization, which is individual, and understand, you know, what, how, can I, how can I empower that individual to streamline what they do day to day so they can be happy in what they, what they do? The plumbing example is uh, unique because, uh, by way of example, an idea here that comes to mind would be, you know, if you run a plumbing business uh, and you're out and, and about talking to hundreds of clients every year, um, and you're unblocking drains. Let's say, for example, one of the challenges you have is um, roots that are going into into pipes. Mm. Um, if you documented that data at the individual level, at the house level, and you aggregate it into a, a database, if you will, um, you could start running, you know, algorithms and and uh, reminders that say, well, you know, every sort of 12 to 18 months, this specific house has a challenge with um, roots going to into the drains and, and blocking things up. Um, that's a very data-driven approach to, um, you know, fixing the problem because then what you can do is two things. You can actually go back to that client proactively and go, you know what, we serviced your, your drains about 18 months ago. We've calculated that about this time uh, is, is the right time to review that and we'll come along and we'll do a quick review for you for, for free and obviously if the, if the roots have come back or there's a challenge, we can then take care of that, that problem for you. Um, all of that is driven through the central sort of customer view, if you will, um, that was driven by aggregating data, you know, 18 to 12, 12 30 months ago. Um, the other thing it does too is it enables more um, revenue streams for your business because what you can then do is use that information to create joint venture partnerships with other reciprocal companies. So let's say, for example, you have a database of 500 uh, houses that have got root problems uh, as, a, as a plumbing business. You know, what you could do is pick up the phone and, and ring around and, and have a conversation with some arborists perhaps and say, well, you know, I've got a database of, um, you know, hundreds of clients. I've got these challenges with roots. Perhaps it, it would make sense for us to jointly approach those guys and just understand if there's an opportunity to help them out with some of the trees, uh, tree problems that you have in your, in your garden. Um, and that's a very small example of how technology enables um, business growth. Um, uh, and, and the individual as well to keep things nice and simple from the outset. And precisely why I didn't want to necessarily talk about the big picture and, you know, large organisations like health, because this does funnel down to the small business owner and what it is that they can they can do to see into the future of aggregated data and, and how it can help them. <clears throat> what are some organisations that might, you know, provide that sort of data that, you know, where you think to yourself, well, I've only got a, you know, a, a client base of maybe 50 or 100 or a couple of hundred biz- pe- businesses or people. How do I get access to that bigger data? Is um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics or your local council? I mean, where do you start with finding out information like that? So I think um, m- most businesses, uh, if, uh, particularly small business, um, need to start thinking 
by putting the customer in the middle first and foremost because that, that becomes your core anchor around where your data resides. And now, now I've worked with lots of different sort of CRM platforms and CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management, but fundamentally it's a great opportunity to build a very cost-effective database. Uh, all of these tools and systems um, are, are relatively cost-effective um, and what it means is that all you have to do is keep it up to date. So even the autonomy with getting data into these CRM systems has evolved dramatically, and a lot of this is fully automated as well and very scalable. It's all cloud-based, very cost-effective. You know, um, Once you've got this core repository of information, you can then start thinking about, you know, what do I do with that information? How do I augment that information with more intelligence so that I can use it? And that's where uh, looking at uh, Bureau of Statistics, looking at, um, uh, market development, looking at um, you know uh, indicators, um, any any other data points that are relevant to your industry, you can then start automatically uh, blending this this data together and creating a quite a powerful um, uh, sort of uh, intellectual property in your business. Uh, this becomes fundamental for several reasons, but I think that um, at the core of it, just to understand and correlate analytics and understand where the market's going for your own business uh, to um, consistently schedule and engage with your client base, uh, all of that becomes possible uh, quite autonomously from the outset. It's, it's a great way of getting started, actually, that CRN. We haven't covered that topic um, for a while on Small Biz Matters. But what I love about it is that you can start, you know, you start basic. You start with just the name and address and their contact details. But with these CRNs, a lot of the really good platforms enable you to add other data to it where you can start using their basic platform to include things like, you know, let's take that plumber, for example, to include a quick scan around the garden and say, oh, which of those trees might cause problems in the future and just write down into the data and, and start building that up. And then, like you said, using it intelligently and, and coupling it with other parts of data that we can access in the society. It's, it's a great way of starting isn't it that CRN that CRN base point now one of the other things that you mentioned um, when we were having our chat was that um, a really good place where technology enables people is in the workplace so if you've got a team a small team of people this is where it can really be your friend in terms of making things more efficient and powerful can you give us a few more examples about that yeah look um, and uh, in the workplace you've got to start thinking about you know what you know what the lowest common denominator is uh, in your business. And Do you mean the person who's doing the simplest job? Absolutely, yes. And it's about how we empower the, you know, these individuals uh, or these talent members to, to success. So in the workplace, in that example uh, of the plumber, for, you know, in that respect, um, if you are a plumber out and about in the jobs and you're doing manual data entry, you're busy writing things down on pieces of paper, um, you're getting all that information, um, but then you're going home and then you have to sort of type it out and put in some of the system. It gets really complicated and difficult to do. Um, and it's not very intelligent uh, and sort of all over the place. Uh, if you if you had the systems and tools in place and use the technology that you're actually doing data capture on site through a mobile phone, uh, as you said, you're taking images, you're taking video, um, and you're, you're getting GPS coordinates, you're getting all this information automatically, and the power's in the pocket. Uh, you're just not using it properly. What this does, the individual level, is really what drives my passion, which is the fact that, you know, people don't have to spend eight, nine hours a day doing work, let's say, for example, as a plumber, and then going home and having to recapture that data into some complex system that you don't understand and don't want to work with in the first place. If it's done on-site in a simple way, you're getting all that benefit upfront in advance, all the data is going to where it needs to be. Uh, and when you go home, you get to spend more time with your family or develop your own personal skills and do what you love. So we've got that, We I think we all 
understand the concept of how accounting software works with that. You know, you get out on site, um, you, you immediately create the invoice, which you've already got from a template. You just pick and choose the elements that you want part of the invoice and you you know, send it out and get paid straight away. That's, that's pretty well known in the small business community. Um, but what about those things that you can have in your pocket, the apps that you can use to gather that data where you can start capturing all that information? Um, do you, can you give a couple of good examples of some good CRN software that would be pretty, you know, agnostic and able to use across a multiple of sectors, for example? Oh, look, absolutely. I think um, there's probably several, I suppose, in the world that, that are really, really good. Um, uh, th- there's a lot of free products if you're just getting going, by the way. There's products like HubSpot and there's Zoho. Th- these two solution sets are, are practically free when you, when you begin to get you going. Um, uh, probably the most advanced platform uh, in this context is Salesforce. They're the number one CRM provider in the world. Uh, and they, they're fit for purpose in terms of designing custom solutions for small business. Um, that not many people understand. They think they're a, a very expensive enterprise product, but they're actually not. They're quite cost effective. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and, and I guess I guess if you're using and looking into a bigger company, they're going to have already captured, uh, you know, the, the, all the different sectors. They're going to have the arborists. They're going to have the plumbers. They're going to have the the consultants. They're going to have the nutritionists, and, and they will already have some understanding of that business, as opposed to maybe starting from scratch with an Excel spreadsheet where you're going, hmm, hmm. what sort of data do I need to capture? They might be able to prompt you. And don't forget everybody as well, your professional associations and getting uh, perhaps someone who's in a different area who's not competing with you but would definitely be able to share ideas with you. That's a really good source of knowledge to share with people in your sector and in your industry what they're using currently and how they're aggregating data as well. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters and when we come back after the break, we're going to talk to Jeremy a little bit more about, uh, I guess, what what's what's coming for the future. What do we need to be prepared for and aware of in small business? You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. I'll be back after this. So today we're talking to Jeremy Biggs all about, I guess, technology and how it can enable your business. Before the break, we were talking about the use of data and how important it is to start aggregating and start collecting it and having a think about how this data can work for you in the future. And I don't mean the future like 20 years when robots are going to be running around taking our jobs. That's not going to happen. We've already discussed that. It's definitely not going to happen. But um, but more about uh, how you can use that data to expand your client base or to find better clients and uh, people you're more likely or more happy to work with. Maybe that might be your local area to bring it closer to home to make sure that you're not travelling so much or it might be an an issue with um, the type of clients that you want to work with, whether or not they can afford your services, that's a big one, or it's people who have a really, really massive problem that you know that you can fix. So let's look at the future now, Jeremy. Just before the break, we're obviously talking about what you can do now to build for the future. But let's talk about how technology enables, I guess, human potential in your business. Um, So at the core, you're saying that data is the new gold. What do you mean by that? Gold, baby, gold. That's what it's about. And we have to dig. Actually, it's a really good analogy. You have to dig for data, don't you? You have to find those little nuggets. It doesn't come easy, does it? You've got to find the right data as well. You've got to find the right type of gold. Mm -hmm. That's the key. And every business is unique. Everyone's got its own uh, unique IP and and culture and enduring value and all these these things that we all have. But everyone's a little bit different, you know. But at the core of it all, um, data really, I believe, is the new gold. Uh, And I mean that literally uh, because when we look at companies – um, enduring value over a period of time. Um, you know, historically, we look at how we measure business success in the financial sense, which is which is a standard, obviously, and we always will. They won't change. Uh, but how you enhance that value over time dramatically changes when you start including data 
as, as, as a bit of a currency in terms of what you how you value a company and how you view a company. Exactly. If you're thinking about succession planning, with that sale, they're not just picking up the typical, you know, they're getting your clients, they're getting your assets, they're getting your processes and procedures. But imagine what a gold mine that is to also be given all that data to grow the business even further if they decide to expand and do all the things that you maybe don't want to or don't have the time to or or you've just reached the end of your tether with your business and you're ready to sell, how much more valuable that is. Well, two things there. I think the first one is that you've got to start thinking about who you're selling your, your, your business to if, or if in at some point in time if you do that, right? Whether it be succession planning or merger acquisition or whatever the case would be. Um, we've got to think about the millennial workforce coming through uh, as well because these are the new leaders of tomorrow and they're very innovative um, and understand the value of, of information. And like any other investment, when you want to acquire a business or merge with a company, what you're looking to do is take one plus one to make equal three, you know? Um, and in the financial sense, if it's just the bottom line, um, it's very difficult to understand that future opportunity. If you have a business that is uh, augmented data and is aggregated information in a meaningful way for your specific industry, there's a far higher probability that your business could be valued much more because people are buying into the business potential. They understand that the market data you've got directs them into future potential and thus would more likely make an investment. Mm. Uh, we're seeing more and more of this um, conversation come to light when it comes to succession planning in small business. And of course, you know, part of that data is, of course, your financial data and how that's sitting. But we get that. We understand the importance of being up to date and keeping, um, you know, debts at a minimum and, and being really open and honest with where, I guess, your books are and where you sit financially. But this is a great way to value add to the, the your business as a whole. So don't be just thinking about this if you're maybe a couple of way, years away from retirement, but actually be thinking about it now. And I love what you mentioned about the millennials. You know why? Because they don't care what happens to their data. They don't consider it private or they don't consider it, that a, it's a, a breach of their own security if suddenly, you know, their date of birth leeches out. They're not as, as worried about that sort of thing. So you, if you're selling to the next generation, if you're thinking about bringing them onto your business for succession planning, you need to think like they do when it comes to data. And it's a great way of looking at it. Even in the, um, even the, in, with the workforce, you start thinking about um, how the younger generations adopt technology and how the, it's, it's a prerequisite. If you're on a company that is not at the cutting edge of the technology spectrum, you're in trouble because your younger generation coming through will not want to work with you. Mm, you, know? you and have that, to think that, about your workforce as well. Absolutely, you know. And so, you know, you think about in the context of that as well, I think it's quite a powerful um, conversation that we can talk on for hours is, is what, the, what impact that will have on the world. I also believe we're going to see a, a, a super accelerated uh, technology growth curve uh, within small business as well. And if you have a company that is, you know, 15, 20 years old and you haven't innovated enough, I think there's a big risk in terms of not only exit strategy, but also competition. And let's talk about that international factor, because I think, you know, we live in a global economy, a global world now. Why would a small business here based in Australia need to know what other businesses are doing on the other side of the world, um, not just in terms of competition, but maybe in terms of their data usage as well? Why is it important that you're tapped into your worldwide community of businesses that in which you operate? Wow. This is a, you open up a can of worms now. <laughs> That's why we have experts on the show, not just me talking into the mic about what I think about things. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive believer in global economy. And uh, if we look at the next societal shift in human behavior and how this relates to business, it's quite profound. Um, I believe that uh, small business is not, you know, based by territory. Small business is based on client. 
um, that there's a, a really good business I have uh, that I, I know very well in, in New Zealand, for example, and they've got clients all over the world and they provide a, a range of services for them and they've built their business from the ground up with a global economy in mind. They don't, they don't care if you're in Christchurch or if you're in New York. Uh, they will service you as a client and they do an exceptionally good job. Um, it also connects into something that's a bit bigger than this. When you start thinking about um, half the world population living in poverty uh, and you start thinking about the, the cost of talent that exists in the world and what talent is there that we haven't even uh, tapped into as potential. You know, technology enables us to, to potentially get into that talent pool that hasn't sort of been available in the past as well. So when you think about starting a business and you're a millennial, these are the things that you're thinking about. You're thinking about what is what is a cost-effective way that I can deliver solutions on a global scale at speed, all right, uh, with the right quality product and compete with the laggards that are sitting in the industry that haven't innovated for the last 40 years. This is what gets them out of bed. This is the competition and this is the future. Let's talk about that uh, elephant in the room, that being the NBN. So you're a bit of a, you know, you, you understand the, the concept of thinking globally uh, and, and where Australian businesses fit in a global market sense. Can we even dream to compete with the current system we've got in place now? Or is it woefully inadequate and we need to go back to our government agencies and say, no, we need more. And as a, I guess as a whole, as, you know, 48% of the economy, which is small business and the engine room of the economy, as they keep calling us, do we need to go to them and say, no, we need more, we need to be able to compete on the world stage because right, right now we're not? So first and foremost, uh, thank goodness MBN came along because if that didn't come along, where would we be? Yeah, the fact is we have fibre infrastructure around the country that has enabled millions of companies. The challenge is that it's not perfect um, and we, we need to invest significantly better in what that is. It was a botched project from the outset. We, we could have done MBM three times over by now if it was done properly. That's just the reality of things. But mm. looking to the future, the, the critical backbone of business success is connectivity, right? And whoever controls networks and controls speed to connectivity and connects people with that infrastructure controls the world's economies. So we're looking at... Um, you know, MBN locally in Australia here and how that has um, assisted a number of businesses in, in region to get a, a more reliable connection. We also hear that the, the bad stories about n- not having access to it and where we should, which is what we have to accelerate uh, in order to be successful in the global scale. But then you look to um, emerging technologies, projects that um, like Facebook, for example, are, are underway putting and, and Elon Musk with, um, with SpaceX putting satellites around the earth to have a connectivity network and beaming down internet from from space. Uh, All of these um, solutions are the backbone of how we are more successful and how we connect in the world in the future. So I guess small business needs to have a bit of a finger on the pulse of where um, the the technology is emerging around them geographically to know how they can start to improve their speed. It is a bit ridiculous that we've still got a situation where parts of not even looking at rural Australia and what they have to go through, but just the parts of, say, a major city like Sydney still have black spots or still have Mm. connectivity issues. And we are now five years from when we were first discussing it. And and here we are. It is disappointing, but I guess um, we need to keep pushing and and keep asking for more. More investment, that's all I can say. And if anyone is listening out there that's got a couple of billion dollars to spend, please spend it correctly this time. Yeah, and and just put a a little bit towards Community Radio Network as well. That'd be great. That would be fantastic, yeah. (laughs) So you can get the information out there. Let's talk about, I mean, that's a great example of a barrier to to obviously to technology adoption. Um, If you can't access the speed of internet that you need. uh, But I mean, that doesn't necessarily stop you from creating a great database because... 
it can just be desktop software that you've got. It's just not going to be as efficient as something that's cloud-based and where you can have it in the palm of your hand and wandering around, I guess. Yeah, look, I think cloud technologies are where it's at. Uh, with our question, I, I, I'd actually shy away from anyone looking at anything to do with desktop whatsoever. Uh, personally, my laptop and my iPad and my phone all synchronized. I don't have any paperwork in my office. Um, you know, everything's digital. So um, five years ago. <laughs> paper, so five paper. years ago. In fact, you know, you think about the environmental impact that paper has on mm. society is absolutely massive. Mm. If you're printing out, and, and I know somebody that's very uh, elderly, shall I say, that still prints out emails just in case and these are a hard copy, you know, you, you, you can't do that kind of stuff anymore, you know. You have to start thinking about the environmental impact this stuff has in the world um, in a significant way. Yeah, and even just in a little way. I love the way some, you know, you go and get a coffee and people go, do you need a receipt? And they don't print it out. It's like, actually, no, I don't because it was just a coffee. <laughs> I'm okay. Who needs receipts? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one really good example. Now, another barrier you, you bring up as well is um, the barrier of cash. Why do you see cash as being a barrier to the potential way that technology can empower us? Well, I think it's, I mean, cash equals investment. Um, and in small business, it's the one, the, sing- the single common factor that hinders uh, perceived business growth. Is, is financial resources to, to innovate, financial resources to bring more talent on board, financial resources to scale, to grow, whatever the case would be. Oh, so you're not talking about the actual physical cash element. You're talking about the investment and, uh, and that's, the, that's the impediment to growth. Look, ab- yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, there was some data that we looked at that said that 20% of your bottom line should be invest in, invested into innovation. Um, a lot of the companies we talk to um, are cash poor. Uh, cash flow is always tight, uh, you know, uh, in, in this economy and, and others as well. So you've got to start getting a bit more inventive around how you fund these projects to make sure you can deliver what you want to deliver. Well, let's talk about a practical strategy where, you know, your typical small business owner who is maybe just a one-man band or has a, a, a team of maybe under five, um, apart from the obvious accounting software kind of packages that it's a really good technology enabler, can you give some other examples of some ways that that are fairly, you know, generic uh, that they can engage with and invest in that are not going to be too expensive? Look, absolutely. Um, so let, let's think about uh, a team of five people. Um, and the first thing that I, w- I would go to is to understand and interpret how do I make this team of five people super efficient? How do I get them doing the, the work of seven? So you have to ask them. Sit down and ask them, I suppose, what's, what's slowing you down? What, what, what are you spending the most time working on? What's, what's really um, time heavy and, and unproductive in your workload? Absolutely. I had a client actually that we worked with that had, um, he was doing proposals, typing out proposals. It would take him sort of a day to get a proposal typed out. And we took that time down to two minutes just because the data was there. We just had to click a button and make it all connect. So productivity apps, they're a great one? Yep. Productivity apps, uh, going digital with paperwork is a massive one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's do some actual specific examples. There's obviously like, like you know, HubDoc and Receipt Bank. They're great um, products to actually, you know, start capturing that, that data with receipts and, and finances. Um, I guess some uh, some sort of more technology-based productivity things. You've got uh, Basecamp. Um, you've got Streamtime. That's a, that's a New Zealand company. Um, trying to think of some of the others off the top of my head. Workflow Max. There's, there's actually industry-specific ones as well. And I guess, is, is Salesforce also a productivity support mechanism or is that more of a CRN? So Salesforce is more of a platform. Right. Um, and it connects the dots between multiple systems, if, if you will. Yeah. And, and Zoho is another one that does that as well. Zoho is another one as yeah. well. Um, similar type of products. I think the critical thing here is that uh, there's a phrase that we, ter- we talk about called fit for purpose. 
every business is unique. Uh, there's not one solution that's designed that fits everyone's business. So the first thing I would do, going back to the team of five, is to do a workshop and understand where do our inefficiencies lie, uh, and then look to the market and go, well, what technologies exist that can help us fix those efficiencies? Uh, and I'll, I'll be I'll the, on the edge of caution here because what happens now is we end up with five or six different solutions that don't talk to each other. So in the context of how we architect the technology s- solution set in the business, we've got to make sure that all these things talk to each other as well. So we, we can build on that core repository of information in the middle, which I believe is the customer, which is then the CRM platform effectively. Um, Salesforce as a platform is a great example. They've got very industry-specific solution sets that are very broad that can be tailored and customized to meet your specific requirements. Um, but, you know, you could have a DocuSign uh, product that does your digital signatures on the screen, for example, if you're a, in field service. Um, uh, or you could have a separate product uh, that, that that's more industry-specific to you if you're, let's say, you're a, a tradesperson. Um, but at the center of it, you can connect that to a Zoho, you can connect that to a, a Salesforce uh, a HubSpot CRM, whatever the case is, very, very easily, very simply. These things are click and connect kind of solutions now. And if you're completely overwhelmed by that last two minutes of conversation, you might want to think about getting a cloud integrator or a consultant to come on board who specializes in in your industry. So make sure you get someone on that really understands what it is that you do and they can help you navigate and choose and, and understand how all of these jigsaw puzzles fit together. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd and I'll be back after the break uh, talking more with Jeremy about the way that Um, I guess technology can enable your business rather than shrink it. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking to Jeremy Biggs all about technology and the way that it can enable your business. We've talked uh, in terms of the way small businesses can tap into technology. And in particular, Jeremy's a big fan of data. Let's talk about some practical tips, Jeremy, that people can do um, when setting up, um, I guess getting their businesses more set up to be technology enabled. Uh, CRM, we've covered a number of, of times during the program, which is a really good starting point. But doing it intelligently, I think, is really important. Sit down with yourself for maybe half a day and go, A, what platform am I going to use, which is actually useful for my type of business. So being aware of maybe what other people in your industry are doing and what sort of data do I want to gather? So if you are a, I guess, nutritionist, um, you might want to be looking at, you know, maybe there's, there's maybe some information out there about the number of people who are diabetic in your area or who have weight loss issues or, you know, overweight in a particular area. There, there is information out there that you can access as well. Now, um, I want to talk to you about one of the, you know, the, the problems that we're having with technology enablement, which is, of course, the workforce and um, what sort of problems we're having there. Can you talk us through what what might be a bit of a barrier to that? Yeah, sure. So I think that there's a couple of barriers uh, in terms of of workforce. Um, In Australia, I think one of the biggest ones that is quite topical is uh, skills shortage. Uh, We look at the unemployment rate and um, it's sitting at uh, sort of 5.2% of thereabouts at the moment, but there's significant infrastructure projects that are firing up now over the next five, six years as well. you know, the the data says that it may start reducing further and heading towards the four percent mark. We've got to start thinking about, you know, how do you how do you build a business and grow your your pool of talent um, if you can't get any, right? 
So again, I think technology could be an enabler here as well, because what we can do is we can be more efficient in what we do day to day using the right technology and tools mm. uh, and do a lot more uh, with less, uh, get rid of administ- administrative tasks and let's promote the people that are doing those tasks into learning new skills and developing their skills in the organization. All right. And that's going to help us mitigate the sort of skill shortage gap to enable us to deliver at a high quality to our clients consistently, um, you know, with less with less people and less resources. To to be honest, it was interesting when you said, you know, what large infrastructure projects, because I just realised that, you know, if you're a tradesman and and you're working in the construction industry, for instance, and suddenly something as massive as a North Connects rolls into town and sucks up all of the best talent, Mm. what are you going to do to start, you know, gathering up those people again or what's going to, you need to be aware of what's happening in those terms of those projects because it is going to suck the pool of talent that you can access. Yeah, what's your differentiator? Mm. Why why do your your talent and your your pool of staff want to work for your business what is your trajectory why are they on board what's your culture what can they learn from what you? can they learn from mm. you what are they going to do how they're going to develop mm. these are things that that people want you know people want to work for companies that mean something um, it's not about the money it's more about my life and I'm giving you my time and we hear so much more and more about the younger workforce who are coming through where money is becoming less and less important and what is more important is uh, social enterprises or what can they do to make a change and make the world better a better place and what can they do to you know empower others and work with others in a, in a more conciliatory collaborative way rather than just being you know what's the salary at the end of the day they want to know where they can grow and learn and not only just in Australia let's grow and learn so we can do the, be the best versions of ourselves and what we do day to day and give me the tools and mechanisms that are available for me to do that. Um, and then it goes well beyond that because then people start thinking about how do I impact the world? What is my purpose? And that's a much deeper conversation. But um, everybody that exists that works in the workforce um, is not there necessarily just to earn a wage. It's more about community. It's about giving back. It's about this global economy we touched on, you know, and how do we impact that? It's a great way to look at the way technology enables actually because obviously there are so many fantastic learning and development programs out there um, and if you are going to consider using a particular piece of um, you know, technology or software or an app to make your, your business more efficient and, and gathering data which we talked about earlier in the program, um, you also need to make sure that it's got a good education platform side of things as well so that you're not tied up with teaching your staff how to use something you don't even know how to use. There's a way that they can uh, work through it and and learn how to use a program without you being tied up in, in their time as well. Absolutely. And, and a lot of these programs and systems are, are all, you know, led online. I think uh, um, uh, somebody said to me, you know, YouTube has got all the answers, right? <laughs> you know, if you, learn, if you want to learn a new skill and, and need to know something, you have all this available for you to do it. All you have to do is step through that door and start, and start learning. When you start thinking about strategic technology you're putting into your business, um, the learning pathways are digital. The self uh, development pathways are digital uh, and that may even have a, a big impact and ramification in education as a whole as we as we move um, you know as we move forward as well exactly um, look another way that we can be practical with the way that we enable technology of course is is scheduling uh, recurring tasks why are you such a fan of this in the everyday business life you know what scheduling recurring tasks is the simplest possible way to add significant value and make you look like a friggin' rock star, <laughs> right, for your clients. And your, and your staff as well. And you're your super staff, organized, right? yeah. You're, you're super organized. You know exactly everything before it even needs to happen, basically, right? Um, you know, it's something simple. Having having the ability to automatically pop a task on your on your desktop that pops up every year that goes, hey, it's Joe's birthday, mm. right? And you do that with every single client consistently for the next five years, 
that person is going to expect a call on their birthday from you, right? Um, but it's so profound because you're front of mind, you're engaged, you're building rapport, you're building relationships, you actually care. Mm. Um, the same thing for, for, for so much, you know, and the systems and tools to schedule that, for example, they're completely free. You know, yeah. you can do that with just a Google Calendar very simply uh, with a little bit of maintenance in between. So it's not difficult to do, but has a big impact to those, your clients and those around you. Mm, exactly. And, and, you know, there's nothing more inefficient than having bits of scraps of papers floating around when you may be trying to make lists uh, or something like that. You know, having everything looking, you want to look more technolo- technologically enabled to your clients and to your staff and those around you. And obviously that's going to be a more efficient use of your time. Do you, are you a fan of, um, you know, chunking out time for particular tasks, just saying, look, this is when this is due, so I need to schedule it for this time and being really efficient in that way? Or are you more of a believer in multitasking? Ah, multitasking, the myth. I don't think that the exists. The myth, the legend. The myth, the I know, legend. I think it's been debunked, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's where we go backwards when we try, we try and multitask. Um, no, I think uh, absolute clarity and focus is critical. And again, technology enables um, the strategy. Uh, I talked to this, uh, this 80-20 principle where the, not necessarily 80-20, but you look at the, the, very, the, the minority of certain tasks that you do day to day will have the most significant impact in your business growth. The question to you is, you know, what are those number one priorities? What are the number one tasks that you need to do to move your business forward? Mm. And what is 80% that you shouldn't necessarily be touching, you should be delegating or having technology that automates what that looks like? Um, Specifically, what you asked around uh, scheduling, um, once you've got that strategy down, then block away the time to make sure you action those tasks first. That becomes your absolute number one priority. The rest of it, doesn't matter, right? Yeah, we do have a tendency to to sort of put to the bottom of the list the things that are a bit harder or might take a little bit longer. So I guess if you get into a pattern of making sure that you are putting them at the top of the list because they're going to, from a financial point of view, be the most beneficial to your business rather than the little, you know, little things that are easy to do. Yeah, lean into the difficult tasks, lean into your fears, lean into the ones that are most challenging for your business because that's where the gold sits you know, and I think um, a lot of business owners that are uh, a little bit older, they don't understand the technology, don't understand social media, don't understand these multiple platforms. It gets really confusing really quickly. I understand that. But learn it, get your hands dirty, understand it. Even if it's one small step, uh, one day at a time, do little things that are going to help you bring data together in a, in a meaningful way. And if you don't know how to do it, then get your junior IT guy in to have a conversation at a workshop that's industry specific that can then help you do that. Um, no question. Well, it's a great way of summarising today's program, Jeremy. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on today's show. Um, we've talked about a lot of things to do with technology being an enabler rather than something that is going to necessarily remove um, people or remove time or remove your business altogether. And thinking about it in terms of succession planning has also been a really big, important thing as well. Um, tell me, Jeremy, where can people find out more about you and where they can access your services? Please reach out to me. Um, I'm on all the digital channels. Uh, jbiggs at, at jbiggs01 is my uh, my Twitter handle. Uh, Jeremy Biggs one on LinkedIn. Go to the website karoo k a r r o dot com dot au, uh, and give me a call. 
I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge around technology enablement. We've come to the top of the hour now with Small Biz Matters. Thank you for joining me tomorrow. As I should say, next week, we've got another great guest joining us as well, of course. And if you think of a topic that we haven't covered on Small Biz Matters in our 150 podcasts that are available online, let us know because we'd love to hear from you because we're always looking for experts like Jeremy to share their knowledge. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back next week. Thank you for joining me.